Hey, Thriver. Welcome to the Career Thrivers podcast. I'm so glad you're here. This is your arena where authenticity meets ambition. Your career path is championed. Your leadership journey is supported. And I'm going to encourage you to speak up even when your voice shakes. I'm your host, Brittany N. Cole, here to guide you through owning your power, your narrative, your impact, and increasing your income. Throughout the show on each episode, you'll hear from some incredible leaders who are going to inspire, challenge, and transform your thinking. We'll discuss what authentic leadership really means, diving into conversations that defy conventions and celebrate your true self. Whether you're making strides in the corporate boardroom or breaking ground on your own ventures, this is your platform for growth, reflection, and breakthrough. I'm so glad you're here. Let's thrive together. Welcome back to the show, Thrivers. I am excited about this episode because this is one that is especially for you. I've had this topic on my mind and heart for years, and I wanted to make sure that we created some space for this conversation today because I believe that this is something that many of us experience, but we don't have a name for it. It's that emotional roller coaster that we sometimes come up against in our career, whether it's due to layoffs, whether it's due to that tension of this role is not what I thought it would be, whether it's due to this manager that I'm reporting into, we're having friction, constantly bumping heads, or maybe even you have an epiphany and you wake up one day and you recognize that the purpose or the drive that I have inside of me to be more, to do more, is completely out of alignment with what I'm going into work or logging on to my laptop to do every single day. And so I wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity today to sit down and just have a one-on-one conversation. Like, let's just get into the nitty gritty of what I like to call having a thriver's mindset. And I think this is so important because what many of us don't associate those feelings with is grief. Now, if we've been connected for some time, you likely have heard me talk about this idea of career grief. And I think that it's something that we experience regardless of the industry that we're in, regardless of our title, regardless of what we choose to do for work, even if the choice that we make for work is entrepreneurship, right? So whether you, whatever title you want to, you want to give yourself, whatever title that you're renting, uh, today, I believe that these feelings apply, right? Of this, of this tension of recognizing that maybe I'm not in the space that I'm supposed to be. A little bit of a backstory if you're new here. So I spent about 12 years in corporate and I like to think of it as, as growing up in corporate America, but 12 years at one company in particular and had an incredible career there. But the first nine years of my time at the organization was spent in sales. So that was me kind of uh, breaking into corporate America and really had a great career at Pfizer. So the pharmaceutical company that many of us know now because of the the pandemic doing incredible groundbreaking work. But I remember having a moment during my career where I had put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Y'all know what we say, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, right? To go after that thing that I wanted. And for me at the time, it was to get a marketing role. And there was a lot of disruption in that process, a lot of disappointment in that process. I was offered the role initially, turned it down because of some life changes. I was getting married and the timing wasn't right for the move that was going to be required of me and the timing of the move. And I remember finally getting the role. And you know that feeling when you've been going after something for years, you've put a lot of investment in it, right? You've invested your energy, you've invested your time, you've invested your emotion, you've invested even your family sacrificing in those ways. 
And then it finally happens, right? And I remember that feeling for me that the year was 2017. And it was the perfect opportunity, the perfect time for me as a new wife. My husband had gone to New York. So we were living in, in Chattanooga at the time. The role was in New York. Pfizer's uh, headquartered in Manhattan. And uh, Joe moved up about six months before I did. I get this role and boom, we are both first time ever living outside of the state of Tennessee. So I'm a Nashville native, born and raised. And we moved to the middle of Manhattan. And you can just imagine the joy of like, okay, we're doing this. Like he's got a great career. I have finally gotten this role and can accept it. I'm walking into a role that literally I believe was crafted just for me. It was the first time that this title had been posted and the role was doing a, uh, becoming a digital marketer um, on a, on a pain medication brand. I had gotten it. I'd gotten it. And I can remember being in that place and getting to that point and having so many instances where I was disappointed, whether it was disappointment because I didn't believe that people were showing up for me the way that I needed them to, or disappointment because I didn't think that it would take that long for me to get this opportunity or even right? Disappointment in the acknowledgement of at certain times, it wasn't all that I had expected it to be. And so I don't know what the scenario might look like for you, but oftentimes that feeling that we have is actually grief. Now, when we think about grief traditionally, we think about it in context of the loss of a loved one. And we probably can all relate to that, that experience of losing someone that you love, reckoning with the reality of, I will never have an opportunity to spend time with this person. For me, um, the person that comes to mind when I talk about this topic is my mom that passed that same year. So about three months after I took this role, all of the excitement of like, I'm finally here, we're doing this. Uh, My mom unexpectedly passed. And so uh, this grief that we feel that we usually connect with is that, right? We've lost a loved one. But for many of us, again, going back to this idea of like that disappointment in your career, that can also be grief. And so I want us today to adopt a broader definition of grief. So when I think about grief, I think of it as the most unpredictable, the most complex emotion that we experience in response to a disruption in a pattern or an expectation. That's how I think of grief. So if I'm defining it, it's that. It is hands down the most unpredictable feeling. Like I can remember times when like after my mom passed, I come back into work and I'm sitting at my at my desktop preparing for a meeting and I, something will trigger a thought in my mind and tears just start rolling down my face. Mascara is on my, on my blouse, right? You never know when it's going to hit you. But then it's complex because you are vacillating between being grateful Right. I believe I had the best mom on the planet, but also these very heavy feelings of grief or feeling like you're in in purpose, but reckoning with the pain of like, I know I'm supposed to be doing this work, but like I feel so heavy. So it's complex in that we can't really always give language to it. And oftentimes people don't know how to respond to us to support us in those moments. And so I'm in this place. And I'm having these very real feelings of grief because either I had an expectation or had this disruption in a pattern. And for many of us who are, we're professionals, right? We're thrivers, we're business leaders, we work in corporate, maybe you're a nonprofit, you might even be an entrepreneur. And I think for those of us particularly who are 
wired to be more type A, wired to be, you know, the bottom line person, the go-getter, the person that's making it happen, um, we can see those feelings as being unproductive because it's like the the level that I used to operate in, the the way that I'm used to delivering in terms of my work has been disrupted. And I think that moment when you recognize that is a powerful moment because if there's anything that I could tell you about disruption, change, loss, and the corresponding emotion of grief is that it helps you to reset your priorities like nothing else in the world. There's nothing else for me in my life and journey that has helped me to redefine what actually matters than those deep feelings of grief. And I want you to know and feel a sense of being seen because I see you, being heard because I hear you, but also being validated in that that feeling that you feel that you might not be able to give a name to, that you may not be able to fully describe to someone else, that's grief. And my friend, that's okay, right? So I want you to know that that feeling is valid. That feeling that you don't have a name for, it's grief. It's your natural response. It's your natural human response to that disruption in that pattern or that disruption in expectation. And that there is a path and a plan and a way rather that you can move through it. One of the things that inspired me to to write my book, and I'll share in another episode more about what brought me to to writing this particular book, Thrive Through It, because I was definitely writing a different book. One of the things that that really prompted me that this message was needed is because for those of us like you and me who are thrivers, who are, you know, you might call it type A, if you're familiar with DISC, you're a high D. Like those of us that fall into that space where we are high performers, we know how to get it done. The challenge with how we think about resilience is that, it can become a detriment to our emotional and mental well-being, right? We try to power over the feeling. We try to move around the grief. We try to pretend like it's not there, right? We substitute our feelings with calling it, I'm fine. And it took therapy for me to recognize that, Brittany, fine is not a feeling. Like, what do you actually feel in response to this very valid, real complex, unexpected emotion that's based on an experience that you actually had. So I felt really called to help you, to help me give language to the experience, right? And so as we are on this journey together of really understanding what it means to be a thriver, I want to just share a few principles that you can take with you to really help you to reset your mindset, right? How do you really take on this idea of having a thriver's mindset? Because as the leader that you are, as the thriver that you are, your work is important. But it's also important that you recognize that your work, your W-O-R-K, isn't synonymous with your worth, your W-O-R-T-H. And what we find when we're in those moments of disruption, when we are experiencing grief, right, is that we're still trying to apply the same mindset to our productivity as we did before the loss, the disruption, the change happened. And then we fall into this spiral 
of self-sabotage because we're holding ourselves to a former standard that doesn't represent the now you, right? So you've got to recognize that after I have experienced insert disruption and the disruption might be, I didn't get the job. The disruption might be, I'm still in this job search process, Brittany, and I'm on interview number 25. The disruption might be a change in your family dynamic or in a relationship. The disruption might be my organization did a restructure, which meant I ended up on the layoff list. And now I have no idea what my next career move is going to be. Or often most overlooked causes of grief is the grief that's connected to the loss of who you thought you should be by now. And many of us don't even recognize that that feeling of grief that we have is actually us wrestling with the idea in our mind of who we are supposed to be at this point, right? And insert what that might mean for you. I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought I would be an SVP by now, right? I thought I would, the business would be booming by now. The feeling of grief is connected to an expectation. That's why I say said that earlier in the definition, because sometimes it's not that we have had a loss of something that we've had tangibly in our hands, but sometimes it's the response to a loss of an expectation of who we would have been or who we thought we'd be by now. That also, my friend is valid. That also, my friend, is grief. And there's also a mindset of a thriver that can help you not to get over it, not to move around it, not to put on a mask and pretend it's not there, but to thrive through it. So I want to share that with you. And the first thing that I would tell you to develop a thriver's mindset is that you have to learn how to control the controllables. I'll never forget. So my introduction to Pfizer actually came through an organization called Inroads. And Inroads is a career development company. Shout out if you're an Inroader that's tuning in. Shout out to all my Inroaders. Y'all, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this because to this day, <laughs> to this day, I can still remember the mission of Inroads. So a quick backstory. So inroads used to have, I don't know if they still do, but they used to have this pre-college component where they would connect with high schools and then high school students would apply to their program for pre-college prep. So on Saturdays, on Saturdays from eight to five in the summer, we would be in, inroaders would be in what's called LDI, Leadership Development Institute, right? Um, another quick aside, like, your childhood leaves clues. So as I'm as I'm sharing this with you right now, it's like I own a leadership development company. What? But it's like the clues were there. Like they've they've always been there. We'll talk about that on, a, on another episode too. But um, so I'm I'm in LDI on Saturdays, and what LDI would be would would be um, include like professional development. So we do things like Toastmasters training for public speaking. We do ACT and SAT prep, right? So the whole purpose of it was preparing you for college. And inroads is what connected me to Pfizer. So the mission of inroads, okay, enroder, like. If you tuned in and you're an enroder, let's go. The mission of Enroads, I don't know if it still is today, but it was, to develop and place talented minority youth in business and industry and prepare them for corporate and community leadership. Y'all, every Saturday, we would recite the mission of Enroads. And I'm sitting with you today and I still remember it. Like having a mission and knowing what it is is powerful. So I'm in Enroads. Right. And inroads is what connected me to this experience in corporate and this experience at Pfizer. So when I got my Pfizer internship, I'm in training. Right. I'm a, I'm a college student and an undergrad at this time. 
And um, I'll never forget this gentleman. I, I'm going to share his name with you. Actually, uh, his name is Bo Shealy. So I'm in I'm in this training at Pfizer. This is when they had an office in Atlanta. And he pulls out this sheet of paper, right? So if you've got a sheet of paper next to you, I want you to pull it out. I'm going to pull out my mini whiteboard. If you're listening in, I want you to imagine this in your mind. And I'll talk you through this um, because I have come to learn that this this mindset, this perspective, uh, this visual that I'm going to share with you is something that has grounded me and helped me to hone in on, particularly in moments of disruption, what is it that matters most? What matters most is what you can control. And for most of us that are also type A, for most of us who are also leaders, for most of us who are about the high performance and getting it done, We also have a sliver of maybe being a controlling person, maybe just a little bit. I don't know. I'll speak for myself, right? (laughs) I know I can have that tendency, right? Um, and, And the reason why that can be challenging for your mindset is because when you are facing disruption, oftentimes you have to surrender to what is happening because you do not have control over what's happening, but you do have control over what's what's happening in terms of how you respond to it. So if you've got a sheet of paper, or if you got a whiteboard like me, whatever you got in front of you, right? I just want you to draw a circle on it. And if you're listening in, I'm holding up my little mini whiteboard here and I'm just going to draw a circle. So if you've got a sheet of paper next to you, just draw a circle on the sheet of paper. And then inside of that circle, I want you to draw another smaller circle. So essentially you have a donut on your sheet of paper, right? You've got a donut on your sheet of paper. Now, everything that's outside of the donut, so all of the white space, all of the white space, that you drew that donut on are things that you have no control over. They're things that happen to you. They're situations that you experience. It's the layoff that you didn't know what's coming. It's the hiring manager that did not choose you for the role, even though you showed up as your best, had every star story in the book and followed up and wrote, wrote a thank you card, right? It's the things that happen to you that there's nothing that you could have done to have changed the outcome. Then the actual donut part of this visual is what you have influence over, right? So you don't control the final outcome or the final result, but the way that you show up, the way that you contribute, the kinds of conversations and relationships that you have and build can perhaps influence the final decision maker for the small circle in the middle, that space that makes up the hole in the actual donut, if you're visualizing this with us. That, my friend, is what you have direct control over. The challenge and what still resonates with me back from when I was an undergraduate sophomore and this regional manager is drawing this on a sheet of paper with with me and sharing this with me to sitting with you right now today over, gosh, it's at least been... It's been several years. I'll just say it like that. (laughs) Well over a decade, getting close to 20 years later. This still resonates with me because it is such a powerful picture of where I need to spend my time. So controlling the controllables for me means, Brittany, you need to stay on and in the donut. That's it. Everything else, all the stuff that's outside, all of the things that you have no direct control over, like you specifically cannot control the final outcome the things that you have no influence over, you don't have anyone in your sphere of influence or a way to get to the decision maker that actually does have direct control over that insert challenge. 
If it's anything beyond that, I need to learn to release it from my mind. It doesn't need to take up mental space. It doesn't need to take up energy and residence in my body because I have no control over it and I can't influence it. What that helps you to do is to focus in on what you do have control and influence over. And it is a powerful way to reset your mindset, especially when you're faced with disruption. Hey Thriver, I'm excited for you to get your hands on your copy of the blueprint to more visibility and influence. This is a powerful free resource that's designed to catapult your influence and amplify your impact in your business or company. Now, this isn't just another online guide. This is your strategic companion that's going to walk you through the world of personal branding and authentic leadership. Inside, you'll unlock essential strategies that are going to help you do a few things. One, sharpen your self-awareness and own your unique story. Navigate the complexities of workplace dynamics with more confidence. Elevate your presence in any room and ensure that you are not only seen, but also heard and valued. Why wait for opportunities when you can create them? With this blueprint, you'll learn how to cultivate a personal brand that commands respect and opens the door for new opportunities. And the best part, you'll start seeing the world differently, not just as a place where you fit in, but one where you stand out. You'll transform your self-doubt into more self-assurance and turn your aspirations into to tangible achievements. So join me in our community of thrivers who are making their mark. Don't let this moment pass you by. Head on over to letsthrivetogether.com to download your free copy of the blueprint to more visibility and influence today. Start your journey and let's thrive together. And so the first way that we're going to develop a thrivers mindset is to control the controllables. The second way that we're going to have a thrivers mindset is to redefine resilience. If you are a woman that is listening in to this, if you are a person of color that's listening into this, if you are a member of the LGBTQIA plus community that's listening into this, if you represent any diverse identity, I need you to put a star, a note, like this is the area that I want you to remember. Because when we think about resilience, oftentimes, and sometimes you'll see me, uh, I'll have a, um, if you've ever seen me do a talk, I'll have a rubber, rubber band. And if you can imagine just for a second, if you have a rubber band in your index fingers and you're stretching the rubber band, right? It's the only way that you can really shoot it, right? So imagine you're about to shoot a rubber band across the room, like real elementary style, right? But imagine the rubber band is stretched. When we think about resilience traditionally, we think about it from this lens of being able to bounce back. Like if I were to ask you to define what does resilience mean to you? I give you about 30, 45 seconds, you'd probably get around to, oh, it's the ability to be able to bounce back. What my grief has taught me, both career grief and working through the daily grief that's connected to to my mom's death, is that, Brittany, you don't bounce back. You don't bounce back. When you have disruption in your life, especially when you experience deep loss, it changes you. Like your identity reforms because you've had an experience that has caused you to have to rethink, reimagine, redesign how you approach your life, right? And so when that happens, what we try to do is we try to hold ourselves again to this idea of who we used to be before that disruption happened. And it's unfair to you. Like this is really a lesson in personal leadership. Because when you think about leadership, you might have heard me throw that language out there and you may have thought, oh, that that that's not me because I don't have any direct reports. The first person that you lead and the, the person that we get wrong the most or we don't think about rather the most when it comes to leadership is ourselves, right? So in leading yourself, it's important to recognize that when you have that disruption, you don't bounce back. Because if you had that rubber band stretched out, 
in front of you and you stretched it as far as it could stretch. I mean, to the point that you start to feel the tension in your fingers, you could maybe see the cracks in the rubber band in front of you. If you were to let a side go, you'd have a pop back on your finger that would hurt. Actually, your mind your mind would probably tell you, ooh, let it go easy now or you're gonna pop your finger, right? That pop back represents what happens to our mental and emotional well-being when we try to bounce back to a former state or to a former self once we've been stretched like that rubber band. That's not how life works. I I had to really have a reckoning with myself of like, Brittany, you're trying to show back up after taking off time, after my mom died in 2017, you're trying to show back up and operate in the same way that you did before her death. And it's not real. I don't care what title you have. I don't care how many direct reports you have. I don't care how large your P&L is. Trying to apply the same expectation of who you were before a deep disruption in your life to how you show up formally because you're trying to bounce back is a disservice to your emotional and mental well-being. So I had to create space to redefine resilience in a way that helped me to reimagine how I would show up with my grief. Because what I recognized was trying to leave these emotions and feelings at the door or to pretend that they weren't there, they were seeping out, right? It's like trying to trying to pack too many clothes, who might know a thing or two about that, in luggage, right? And the zipper is busting. It's not going to zip. Like, ma'am, you're going to have to take some stuff out, refold, reshuffle. Like, you're trying to pack this in. It, it's, it's not going to work. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to show back up and like, oh, I'm fine. Oh, everything's good. Okay, let's get right to the meeting. And I was drowning, Right. And it's not to say that, you know, every moment is a therapy session when you are in early stages of disruption and grief. But it does mean that you have to create space to recognize that resilience perhaps isn't about my ability to to bounce back. But in redefining resilience, what I have learned is that resilience is more about extrapolating the lessons from my loss and understanding how do I need to reimagine life with the disruption and what have I learned from it to continue to move forward in a new way. And so that's why I think of it as like, you know, the now version of of me or the now version of you, which gives you grace and space to redefine who you are, to reimagine the life that you want to live, to reimagine the kind of career path that you want to pursue. Because maybe just maybe that IDP that says, oh, I'm a senior manager. Now I'm ready for director. Maybe just maybe after the disruption, that's no longer the priority for you. Your priorities have shifted. Perhaps you want to make a lateral move to continue the experience that you have at the same level in a different business unit. Or perhaps you decide, you know what? We have this great benefits. I'm going to take me a sabbatical, right? But whatever that looks like for you, redefining resilience gives you the grace to move forward in a real way. Here's the third thriver's mindset that I'll leave with you. You've got to develop a daily practice, a daily practice. And for me, that looks like being intentional in my faith walk. For you, it could look any way that you want it to look. But what is the daily practice that you have for developing a mindset that helps you to move forward. There's a a theory in psychology called thought stopping, 
right? And it's something that you might not even recognize that you're using. So it's your ability mentally to be able to uh, stop a thought in motion. When I show back up at, at, at Pfizer after my mom died and I'm trying to, you know, like just apply the same approach, right? initially and 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 show back up and, and do all the things, take all the meetings and and you know show that I didn't drop any balls and I'm you know I'm back in the game. I would practice thought stopping a lot and I would find myself on the cusp of like a breakdown and I'm like, okay, girl, like get it together. <laughs> like I need to have the pep talk because we do not have time for this. You're about to go into a meeting like ma'am. Right. So we 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 do this this thing in our mind that can sometimes help us to roll back the emotion. And what I had to to learn early in my grief, and I still practice it today, is that that's not always the healthiest way for us to deal with those thoughts and those and those feelings. So what I have substituted the thought stopping with, and don't get me wrong, like thought stopping is um, a mental solution for helping to keep you focused in certain times. So like it's a, it's a practice that leaders need to know how to leverage, but it is not a steady state. Right. It's something that you 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 leverage and you use in moments that you need it. But trying to always suppress your thoughts keeps you in a, a state of survival mode. And many of us don't even recognize it. Like you might be walking around in a steady state of survival mode like those first couple of months when I when I came back, I was walking around the halls in a state of survival mode. Right. Trying to pack in, pack in these emotions in the luggage. And so I had to, to figure out, okay, Brittany, what's going to be your daily practice to really take your thoughts captive in a way that allow you to acknowledge them and to process them so that you can move through them. And so one of the things that I love to do, and it's actually even a resource that we've created with career thrivers is to use affirmations as a way to set or reset my mindset, right? Or maybe to even adopt a mindset that I don't even have in the moment, right? And you would be surprised by the power of combining an affirmation with a declaration. So they're not the same thing, right? So an affirmation, you're likely familiar with it. It's like a saying, a belief, right? Of something that you want to affirm internally or maybe even manifest externally, what we often do is like, we'll see a great affirmation and we'll read it. That's great, right? That's an affirmation. But a declaration is when you give language to that affirmation. Like when you say out loud and hear yourself affirm, and what's really powerful is when you're affirming a space or a place in you that you aren't quite yet, right? So it's it's almost like imagine yourself looking in the mirror in your bathroom and talking to you because you can see you in the mirror, but you're not speaking to the you that's in the mirror today. You're speaking to the you that you want to become. It is a powerful tool for leaders to get to a place where you're taking your personal leadership from a two to a five, right? You're taking it from the bottom shelf to the top shelf. You're taking it from one star to five star because you, you start to speak to the you that's inside of you that is growing and becoming more of who you want to be. And that might look like, you know, in a traditional corporate setting, right? Moving up the ladder, as we like to say, or across the lattice nowadays, um, more realistically with corporations, or that might even look like certain characteristics or certain behaviors or practices that you want to adopt. And you haven't quite developed that skill yet, or you haven't quite developed that habit yet. But as you continue to declare that over yourself, speak it and hear it, 
right? You're training your mindset to walk into that. There's a phenomenal uh, resource and book that you might've heard of called Atomic Habits. It's on my recommended list of reading for leaders. And in the book, what I took away from it primarily is the power of habit forming and how it is connected to identity. So if you want to, let's say, become a writer or or you want to write more, well, then you have to think of yourself as a writer. Let's say you want to, you know, exercise and you want to tone up, right? And you take on running, you sign up for a race. You need to think of yourself as a runner. When it comes to declaration, quick coaching moment here, like you have to be mindful about the words that are coming out of your mouth and the subtle nature by which you sabotage you. Right. So I'll give you an example. I'm trying to like I'm talking to the thriver in you. I'm talking to the leader in you. I'm talking to myself as well, because like we'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm trying to get. No, no, no. I'm not trying. I'm getting it done. Right. I'm not trying. I will be or I look forward to when I am going to dot, dot, dot. Right. So like our language around what we want to see, what we want to become. Right. What we want to accomplish. It matters. So we must develop that daily practice of whether it's affirmations. And I would recommend that you include affirmations, but you take that affirmation up a notch and start declaring over your life, like saying out of your mouth, hearing it in your ear. Not what you're going to do, but taking that page out of Atomic Habits, who you will become, right? What is the identity that's connected to that new habit that you want to create? Last way that you develop a thriver's mindset. So we talked about controlling the controllables, redefining resilience, developing a daily practice. And last but not least, if you're going to have a thriver's mindset, you must invest at the level of your vision. Now, this could be an entirely separate episode on its own, but I'm gonna make it brief here, okay? So one of the things that I find in the corporate context when it comes to working professionals is that a lot of the grief that's connected to our career, a lot of the feelings of disappointment, a lot of the feelings of frustration, a lot of the feelings of even feeling overlooked and being overwhelmed are connected to a lack of investment in ourselves. Let's just leave our manager and our organization and the inclusion and equity and diversity. We're going to sit that to the side for just a minute because I want to speak to you as the leader of you. If you say to me, Brittany, I'm in a role right now in an organization where I've been a manager for eight years and I'm seeing people get promoted beyond me faster than me, And if I were to ask you, tell me about the last time that you made an investment in your leadership development and you couldn't name a time that you made, and I'm going to be very specific here, a financial investment in yourself, then I'm going to ask you why that is. What What I find so intriguing, especially being on this cusp of having deep and broad experience as a corporate leader and now being the CEO of a company, an enterprise that I'm building in the learning and development space is that on the entrepreneurial side, we'll invest, right? I'll talk to women who are building businesses and you'd be surprised like 10, $15,000, $25,000 mastermind programs and we drop it 
in that space. But then we come over here. Here's the most intriguing part of this for me. I want to be really practical for a moment. I'm not talking about entrepreneurs who have multiple million dollar companies. I'm talking about startups. I'm talking about women who just started their business this year, last year, are investing five figures into their company, four figures, five figures into their business. Then you come over here and you have a corporate leader that's making a real secure six figures every year before bonus. And there's an opportunity to make, I don't know, a $5,000 investment in a program or to attend a $1,500 conference or to hire a $20,000 coach even. And we have all of the reasons why that's not possible for us. What I want to encourage you to think about, and it is something that I believe has been a difference maker for me in my corporate career as a leader. I share with you, started out as a sales leader, moved into marketing, came back and led a sales team, led district to national level DEI programs within my organization. I was investing in myself. If my if my company wasn't doing it, if there wasn't a resource in Pfizer at the time, you better believe that I was taking that bonus or I was taking part of that salary and I was going to find a conference. I was going to find a coach, a course, a way to level up my skills. And that, my friend, is ownership. That's what it looks like to be a thriver, to create the experience in your career that you want to have. And you do not have to be an entrepreneur in order to do that, right? In the entrepreneurship space, we we, we do it, again, more freely. And I, under, I can understand it, right? Because in our minds, it's connected to a revenue goal or a revenue number that we have in our mind. I want you, if you're in the corporate context, if you're a workplace professional, to take on that same mindset, to get intentional around your data. And this is a question that I'll leave you with on this, on this note. What is the potential financial gain for you as a corporate employee of making an investment in your leadership development that could increase your annual salary? by 10, 15, 20%, right? What would that look like? Another way to to think about your level of investment in yourself is to ask yourself, what percentage of my annual salary do I, not my organization, right? We said we're gonna sit the organization to the side for a second. What percentage of my take-home salary do I invest in my own personal and professional development? If I were to answer that question for you, it would be 10%. It's been 10% for several years, whether um, it was 10% when I was at Pfizer. It's probably now that I'm running a business more like 15, 20%. Like sometimes my accountant is like, all right, girl. <laughs> okay, now, all right, you know, enough masterminds and, and, and coaching and, and courses, right? But it, I believe it's so critical because it helps you to accelerate. Like you're literally able to When you invest in your own personal and professional development, you're able to lean on the lessons that someone else has learned to accelerate the time it takes for you to create a more expansive impact. That's really what you're doing, right? You're not just sitting in a a conference. You're not just on Zoom with a coach, but you are learning what took someone 15 years to learn in two days, two months, so you can create impact faster. So if you find yourself sitting in a role or sitting in a position where you're like, wow, I've been in this spot for a while. I feel overlooked. I don't feel seen. I don't feel valued. Could it be that it's an opportunity for you to make an investment in you? And yes, organizations need to and continue to. And the work that we do is all around helping organizations to match or exceed your level of investment. But I want to encourage you as a thriver to make 
the investment first. So I wanted to share this with you. I I thought that this message in this episode hopefully will help you to be intentional about how you own the opportunity to be a better leader of yourself. You'll start to see the ripple effect. Like you'll start to see the ripple effect of one, acknowledging that like this feeling that I have, that I keep trying to ignore, that I keep trying to suppress, that I keep trying to pretend that it's not there, that I don't have another fine in myself to share with somebody when I know that I'm nothing, I'm not even close to fine. Like when I start to acknowledge that I can address it. Right, I often say in order to heal, we have to deal. So if you are going to find yourself moving through and beyond that disruption in your life, that change in your life, that loss, that experience that you've had, then you must, you must acknowledge that, hey, this feeling is happening. This grief is real. It's valid, right? I'm still worthy, even if the grief is causing some disruption in my work, But there's also a role that I play in managing my own mindset and developing a thriver's mindset in order to thrive through. Thank you for joining me on this episode and we'll see you in the next one. And that's a wrap, Thriver. As we close today's episode, remember, this is more than a conversation. This is your call to action. We've shared stories, uncovered truths, and sparked the flame of transformative leadership. Authentic leadership is indeed a journey, and I'm so grateful that we're on it together. So what we've heard today is a catalyst, and now it's time to turn these insights into action. So I challenge you, take one step forward today from what you heard in this episode to not only navigate the landscape of your career, but to thrive through and beyond it. Ask yourself, how will I lead differently? How will I impact my organization? And connect with us at letsthrivetogether.com to follow along on social media and continue the conversation. Until the next time, keep leading and keep thriving. Keep thriving.